Hi, and welcome to the Reframed Wellness Podcast. I'm Callie. And I'm Shelby. We are two sisters with a passion for finding a healthier way of living for us and our families. Follow along for simple tips and guidance on how to reframe wellness in your life, one small change at a time. Welcome back. We hope you guys had a great weekend and that you were able, well, I hope you didn't have to use any of the tips and tricks from our last one because that means that you were healthy and didn't need it. But if you did find yourselves needing to use some of the tools we talked about last time, we hope that they worked and that they helped. And we are excited to talk about plant points today and we will go over what that is. But um, as we're recording this, Shelby is 39 and a half weeks pregnant. (laughs) literally about to have her baby at any moment. So uh, as we release this, she probably probably will have a brand new baby in her arms. And we are so excited for her. She is a rock star to be able to be doing this and recording all these episodes. We're recording a few of them ahead of time so that we can give her a couple weeks to adjust to life with three children. So for this episode, we wanted to start off with plant points because we feel like it's something that is easily incorporated into your daily life. It's something you can do whether you're cooking home-cooked meals or just if you're, um, you know, still finding yourself eating out and you're not quite there yet, you can still look for better ingredients to add into your meals and your children's meals. And so we wanted to, we thought it would be a good one to start off with and something that you could you know, would be an easier challenge to to work with. So let's first talk about what are plant points and why are they so important? Yes, good question. Okay, so plant points are, I, I like to think like anything that comes from the ground, right? So that you would grow. We think vegetables, fruits, legumes, nuts and seeds, and whole grains as well. And that's interesting. I wouldn't I wouldn't have considered whole grains a plant point. Like when, as you said that just fairly, I'm like, oh, whole grains. I I didn't realize that was considered, you know. Yeah. And there are some that are better than others. I feel like, you know, it's probably common for most of us when we think whole grains to think wheat, which has its own caveats. But, you know, thinking of things like, like quinoa and, um, amaranth and, you know, like rice, oats, things like that. Um, those are really great forms of whole grains that we can add in and get really good nutrition benefits from too. So um, now the reason why plant points are so important is first off for the health of our gut. Um, and this is what helps feed our our gut microbiome, which as we kind of touched on a little bit last podcast is so important just for our underlying like overall health. Yes. And okay, real quick, because I don't know that we went into it in detail enough in the first or second episode. I guarantee there are so many people out there that have no idea what a gut microbiome is because I didn't up until three, four years ago. So real quick, just when we say gut microbiome from here on out, I want people to understand what we're saying. Talk about it why it's important and why we want to build it up. Just real quick. Yes. Okay. So your gut microbiome is basically, it's what lies in your large intestine and it's, it's bacteria, really what it is. Um, but 
the gut microbiome is so... Uh, so we have good bacteria in our gut. And that's really what we want to strengthen and we want to grow and we want to diversify. Um, we do have some what... I hate the term bad, but it is a good way to describe it. So they say the bad bacteria, right? You can think like we have different types of funguses and, and things like that. And <laughs> before you kind of like be like, ew, like why are those in my gut? We actually need those and they are important. But it's important that our microbiome is balanced with the good and the bad bacteria because like I said, we do need that bad bacteria. It does have benefits to our health, but the problem is when it gets overgrown, you know, it's it's stronger than the good bacteria, that's when we see the negative effects. And I, I think a lot of people probably, you know, hear a lot about that and how, you know, if your gut microbiome is off, it can cause different health problems. And that's when you start to hear the terms candida, leaky gut, things like that, correct? Yes, exactly. So that's all leading to that, the off balance in bacteria. Um, and so plant points are really important because it helps to, one, like I said, diversify our gut microbiome. The more diverse it is, the better it is for our health. And so when we're thinking about these plant points, we want to try and get as many different plant points each day and even each week that we can to help diversify that gut microbiome. Um, but then it also helps feed the good bacteria. So that way it can stay within that right balance, right? The good bacteria kind of keeps that bad bacteria in check. So we want to make sure that that bacteria is healthy and strong. Um, and then as well, just overall for our health, think like these plant points are the things that are going to be higher in fiber, higher in nutrients, higher in all the good things that our body needs. And that all gets processed in our gut, right? We need the fiber. And I'm sure we'll talk about this on another podcast because it's a big, I feel like it's a big issue with like constipation. You know, that's one thing that most people who struggle with constipation really just lack fiber in their diet. Um, and so that's one thing that can help. And then as well, the nutrients are processed in our gut too. And so we want to be eating these nutrient-rich foods that are going to help support our bodies to be able to function properly. That's awesome. And honestly, constipation constipation is something I have struggled with my whole life. I've noticed some of my kids already struggle with it. And just spending the last couple of years strengthening my gut microbiome adding more plant points, getting more creative with the things we add to our meals has helped tremendously. And even just bloating and overall feeling like I'm backed up, that has helped so much. And I've I've just realized what a difference it makes in energy and just the way I feel. And so it is really important. I think it is something very common. And you either... I feel like you struggle with one or the other. And and you you get the few rare people that for whatever reason just have the best digestion. And my husband is that way. And he could, we joke around about it all the time. He could eat whatever he wanted. He could eat the healthiest, best diet ever, or he could eat an extremely processed diet. And he is going to be regular no matter what. And it's so frustrating for me because 
And that doesn't necessarily mean he's healthier when he's eating, you know, the processed foods. But some people just are born with with great digestion in that way. But I think for the majority, you either struggle with irritable bowel syndrome to where you're almost going too often or the opposite where where you're not going enough. And so this is extremely important and for your kids too to, you know, I grew up thinking that it was normal to be constipated, that that's how everybody was and to only go, you know, once every couple of days and how awful that is for your body and your system. It wasn't until I got older that I realized, oh, that's not normal. So helping our kids understand and and be open with them about talking about it. I know it's weird. We're talking about poop here, but let's be honest, you know, we, we grew up wiping our kids' bums and we, it should be normal for a parent, but teaching our children that it's okay and it's normal to talk about that and that they should come to you and say, hey, I haven't gone to the bathroom in a couple of days or I'm going several times a day and it just doesn't feel good. Sometimes we don't think to ask our kids that, especially as they get older with our teenagers and our tweens, you know, they get to that point where they're like, ew, I don't want to talk to you about that. But let's start normalizing that so our kids can communicate on how their stomach is feeling. And this is a great way to do it too, is adding these, these fruits and vegetables and good whole grains and will hopefully help them so that they do feel regular all the time. And I'll add, so I feel like (laughs) this runs in our family. It really does. (laughs) Because, like, it was the same for me. It was like, I would, I just thought it was normal to go once every couple days. And it wasn't until I got older that I learned, like, no. But let me just kind of clarify, like, everyone's normal might be a little different. But what's, what's really healthy is going once a day. Like, having a bowel movement once a day. Now, some people may have bowel movements up to three times a day and that can be or you know maybe even a little more and I wouldn't say necessarily like excess from that but like there will be some people who every single day they have you know they eat a meal and shortly after they have a bowel movement and if they're eating three meals a day they're having you know like three I guess solid meals a day like they're having three solid bowel movements a day and that's also normal so understanding that okay, you might be one person who who goes once a day and that can be normal for you or you can go three times, right? (laughs) But um, when you're going days without having a bowel movement, that is not normal. And then as we talked about, like I think it's more when we get into the, the type of like you're going several times a day, but it's, you know, more diarrhea type. Yeah. Um, That's the other end of of not healthy so um definitely strengthening your microbiome and getting in plant points though can help to keep you regular and help keep that healthy and strong and last episode we talked about a couple good probiotics and how that can help. And that's something that's really helped me. So we'll link it again in this episode, but if you didn't listen to last, either go listen to it or look at the links there too. Um, but we'll link our favorite probiotics again here. Um, but yes, doing that on top of adding in these plant points is really going to help, especially if you are someone that struggles with one of these extremes. And just one thing to add with that, just make sure it's a spore probiotic. That's the only one caveat I'll add because there are lots of different strains. Um, If it's not a spore, then it's likely a human strain. And they definitely have their places. But what I'll say about them is 
they don't actually, there's no human strain that can actually reach the gut microbiome. They get killed in your stomach <laughs> from your stomach acid. So, so a lot of people are like, oh, I tried probiotics and they didn't work or they didn't really help. And, um, or they even take, a like human strain probiotic and it does relieve some symptoms. Like there might be, you know, you might have like some digestive symptoms like acid reflux or heartburn or things like that, that it, it can help relieve. But as far as like your gut, it doesn't reach the gut. And so the spore probiotic is something that will reach the gut, strengthen that bacteria, help, you know, get rid of bad bacteria, things like that. So, And how do you know if it has a spore, bi- spore uh, bacteria in it? What will it say or what are things that they're looking for? Again, we'll link our favorites, but not that you have to go for those. So I want people to know, okay, if I am going to research or if I am currently taking a probiotic, how do I turn my bottle around and figure out what it is? Honestly, I think most sporebiotics are going to have that somewhere on the label where you can see, but the different kind of strains you'll see. So a lot of times you'll see lactobacillus. I have seen some just put bacillus and then it will have something after it so you know bacillus clausi or bacillus subtilis i know their names are so bad so i might watch a few of them (laughs) (laughs) um and then the like there's other ones that saccharomyces boulardii things like that so really it's looking learning to identify the strains or just finding a good brand that you know um that has that like mega spore is probably one of the popular brands um that is a spore probiotic and has some of these these strains that i mentioned in them okay okay so they should be labeled on the bottle or somewhere in the description it should say that this is a spore probiotic yeah that's correct and then you can also look for like the the lactobacillus that's one of the spore one of the more prominent spore strains that you'll see that again they have tons of different types but um you'll see that with kind of different types in there okay awesome so now that we went a little bit over the microbiome sorry we got a little bit off topic off topic um when we say plant points now that we know what they are and why they're so important is it one point per thing so let's say you're eating a salad and you've got several different fruits in there or several different veggies you have your lettuce which is considered one um and then on top of that you have yeah, let's say you have a, a thing of rice or a type of whole grain, you know, uh, how, how do we add up our points? And, and how many points do we want to get in a day? Maybe let's talk about as adults and then let's talk about children and, and how many plant points we want them to get a day. Well, of course you want to start with where you're at. So here's the one thing about increasing your fiber you want to do it slowly. And a lot of these things, right, are going to be fiber rich. So I don't want you to run out and be like, okay, I got to like, now every meal I got to have 10 extra plant points and <laughs> like, like really overdose because then that can cause you to have some digestive issues at first, just because it's like a huge change on your gut. It, it, it needs time to work up to it. So what I would say is look at where you're at now and try to add, you know, if, if you're used to maybe eating one meal with with a good amount of plant points. Let's say you have like one meal where you're like, okay, I'm I'm good with 
having fruits and vegetables, let's say dinner, right? Like I'm really good about making sure our dinner always has fruits and vegetables in it. So you already know you're getting plant points in. Okay, let's try to add a plant point to breakfast and a plant point to lunch um, and kind of just work up your way there. Now, honestly, again, the more diverse you have and I, you, I don't really think you can overeat on plant points. But ideally, I think if you aim for around 20 a day, that's a really good goal. Um, And I would say even kids can eat that too. Obviously, for kids, it'll just be their portion size will be a little less than us. But if they're having 20 plant points a day, that is going to be really great. And again, work up to that. Don't don't have that be your your first goal. But like having that every day is going to be really good for your gut. So how, and I mean, some people might count it a little differently, but this is kind of how I learned is basically everything that you have counts as one plant point. Um, how to put, but like, okay, so let's say you eat two apples. Well, two, let just in a day, two apples is not going to count as two plant points. It will count as one. Here's the difference though. Let's say you have one red apple and one green apple. Those actually give us different, um, they have, even if it's slight, they do have different nutrition profiles. So that will count as two. So if you had a red apple and a green apple, that would be two plant points. But if you just have two red apples, it's one, right? Um, And then you want to get things like herbs also count as plant points, but it, Because we eat so much smaller, usually that's counted as like in smaller quantities. Um, Usually it's like a fourth of a plant point per herb that you're seasoning your food with. Okay, so if you have some rice and you added some herbs into it or some oatmeal and you Mm -hmm. you have some type of herb in there, like it's cinnamon or whatever, that would be considered. Then maybe like a point and a fourth (laughs) or a point and a half, depending on if you have a few different herbs in there. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so everything basically counts as one. So you could say, okay, in this, let's say we have a salad and we have some lettuce with some cucumbers with um, some bell peppers. And let's say we add some fruit to that salad. So maybe there's some berries in it, right? Uh, And we'll just say there's one type of berry and then we put some sunflower seeds in it right there. Like just with all the ingredients I, I listed, that would be five plant points. Um, and so each one of those will count regardless of, I mean, unless you're like really not eating a lot of it, I don't think you really have to focus on the quantity as much as that the fact that like, you know, in that salad, you're probably going to have at least a good amount of that cucumber in it chopped up. Um, and so that'll count as one. You don't have to necessarily be so specific of like, it's a full cup or it's a full, it's, it's really about just trying to get as much within each meal as you can, but also still making it not like unrealistic. I love that because sometimes, like you said, don't don't think you have to get 20 if you're not there yet. And I probably am not even up to 20 plant points a day. When you said 20, I was like, oh, man, that seems like a lot. But I think you'll be surprised, too, as you start to count them. And again, beans, uh, nuts, seeds, 
uh, they are considered plant points. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, oh, I, I probably am a lot closer to that 20 than I think. So it may sound overwhelming or sound like a lot, but as you start actually counting it, and if if a few, food journal is something that, that resonates with you, maybe do that. I, it's not necessarily something I've ever done, except for, and we'll talk about this in detail on another podcast, but um, when I started counting my grams of sugar. And that is something, if you want to just slowly start doing too, we'll talk about that here quick, but how detrimental sugar can be to your diet. Um, but when I really wanted to start figuring out, okay, how much sugar am I really getting a day? How much sugar are my children getting a day? I had to start writing it down. So if you're someone where you feel like a few journal, no, I'm never going to do that. Or even just taking simple notes in your phone. Every time you eat something, just make a tally. Okay, I did. And you'd probably get surprised by the end of the day at how many you actually did have. And it's not as unrealistic as you as you may think. But again, I like the idea of starting small. Don't overwhelm yourself. Don't stress out if your kids and if you feed your children something and they're like, yeah, I'm not eating that. Don't make it a big deal of, oh, you you have to, right? We want We want kids to have a positive idea and mindset around food. And so starting slow um, is... I, I love that. That's that's great. Um, let's talk a little bit before we go into. Well, I guess we can. This can kind of go into good ways of of getting f- fruits and vegetables and these plant points in for your kids. Um, let's talk about a little bit because this helped me to understand. Let's talk about your taste buds and how your taste buds can change and how long it takes them to change. So that if you're dealing with picky spouses or picky children or even yourself if if you're just like genuinely I don't like fruits and vegetables um how talk a little bit because you you helped explain this to me and this really helped me understand how our taste buds change and why that's important okay yes I'll 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 talk about it in two ways so one your your gut which is connected to your brain what we call it your second brain so like the foods that we want and crave are connected to actually what we're eating so of course it's going to be always harder at first especially if you're not eating a lot of these things and you're eating things that are more highly processed or like you're eating out more like you're eating food with longer ingredients lists more chemicals it will be harder for most people at the first to kind of switch that because your body wants what it's been fed your gut right what's in your gut it wants more of that but then as you start to switch over and eliminate that processed food more you know you start to kind of crowd it out and eat more of these whole foods then it switches so it's a gut brain connection to where now your body's telling you oh I want more fruits I want more and I think that you know someone who's gone through it they start to get to that point where they're like Ooh, like now I go for a snack that I used to eat all the time and now I don't even feel as good eating it or I don't want it. And it's, it's that, you know, you haven't been feeding it to your gut for a while. And so now it can tell the difference. Um, so I'll I'll say that. So just remember that, you know, you can get to a point where, (laughs) and I used to be this way too, where I'm like, like, I used to, (laughs) I loved my sugary snacks and now it's so easy to be like, oh, I actually don't want that anymore. Or I like really crave whole foods and I can tell a difference if I'm eating less of them. Um, Like my body can tell now and I want it. 
Yeah, and I that's something that I noticed too. And it's funny now I refer to what I would normally just consider like a snack or a treat as um, like cheap chocolate and cheap treats. And my body does not like them anymore. It's funny, I, I'm not a huge chocolate person. I like sour candies and gummies over, over chocolate. But there's a certain week every single month that I would crave chocolate. And that would be my go-to is... <laughs> You know, my husband, he's so sweet. He knows if it's that time of month, he's like, oh, I'm going to bring her home a Dr. Pepper and a Caramello because that is what I always craved and wanted. And it's funny as I started, you know, trying to eat healthier and get um, better ingredients, one thing that I switched to was a a better chocolate. Um, The Hue chocolate is the one that I love, H-U. Is that how you say it, Hue? That's how I say it. But um. And it's funny what I realized as I started doing that and eating healthier and I went for the dark chocolate, why I always craved chocolate was because my body was telling me I needed more iron. My iron always dips and iron is in dark chocolate, but you can't just go straight to the overprocessed, over, you know, the, no healthy dark chocolate at all in anything you know, in a caramel. <laughs> and, but my body was trying to tell me that. And because that was what I was used to, that, like you're talking about, that gut brain connection, my brain was trying to tell my body, you need more iron. That's why you're craving chocolate. And so I would instantly go to what my gut wanted was the Carmelo. And now it's like, oh, I know that I need some dark chocolate. I need, you know, the other things that, that have iron in them and now instead of reaching for that I'll reach for my huge chocolate you know so yeah still have your treats every once in a while but and your taste buds will change now I go have one of those you know cheap gas station chocolates and it just doesn't taste the same so so give yourself some grace I'm not going to say I haven't had a caramello in the last year because I totally have and we'll break down every once in a while but what I've noticed is and not even break down but you know you just go oh I want I, I want to try that um but what I've noticed is now that I try it it doesn't taste the same doesn't taste as good and that gut brain connection is starting to work and starting to realize yeah we don't we don't like this as much as we used to yeah no and I think mo- like everyone will go through that. It just takes time. So just be patient and just know like, okay, like it- it'll get easier, right? And you'll not only, not only will it get easier, but like you'll want those, those good foods. Um, so second with your, your taste buds, your taste buds actually change. So um, for your full tongue and palate to change, it takes 90 days, but they even say in two weeks, you'll notice a difference. Like even most of your 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 taste buds are changing constantly. So again, as you start adding these, you will start to enjoy them more too, especially if there's things that you don't like. Um, that I think that's another thing that we all go through. Like there's things that we used to not want to eat, we didn't like it, and then all of a sudden we're like, oh, this isn't as bad anymore. And then we even start to be like, oh, I like to eat this. And of course, everyone might have their thing or two that they're just never going to like. And that's normal. Um, Like, I think there are some foods (laughs) that you just may never get to the point of liking. But I think the amount of foods really is very small for each person. And if you're one of those people who has a long list right now, like you can cut that drastically and get to a point where you do enjoy eating it. You you know, it does taste good to you, 
But again, it will take time. And so you have to do to be patient, but at the same time, like continue at it. Don't don't give up. And I, I would say the best key I think is like like we talked about starting slow. So like just add one new thing that you can and then keep working up. Um, but as you're adding these things, it also helps. So I think mentally it helps focusing on what we add on, not what what we're like taking away. But I think it naturally helps us take away some things, right? Because we don't want to be like, most of us really aren't trying to overeat. And I think when you're eating whole foods too, it's actually a lot harder for us to overeat because we actually get more satiated and things like that. And so again, this is something I've noticed in myself and other people where you start to eat these foods and then you have less room to eat even some of these, you know, more processed foods that you might have been used to before. And naturally, as you kind of crowd those out, um, again, your taste buds start to enjoy these like whole food things that you may have not enjoyed as much before you start to enjoy them a lot more. Yeah, and that's so true and something that's going to be great to implement with your kids. Uh, it was it was a hard struggle for me with my older two because they were much older and I had created these unhealthy habits with them that at the time I didn't think were that bad or that unhealthy in my mind. Oh yeah, we have a treat every once in a while. But because I was constantly buying these things and having these treats and these processed foods at our house, I just don't think I realized how often my kids, you know, snuck into the pantry to grab them. And it it was a hard adjustment for them, but we did it slowly. And one thing I started doing when my kids would come to me because they even do it still where they come to me after we just had this very hearty dinner and two hours later they're like, I'm hungry. And so what I say to them now, first thing is drink a glass of water. Oftentimes we mistake hunger for thirst. And so it's like, okay, drink a, drink a glass of water. If you're still hungry after that, I'm not going to be an awful mom and send you to bed hungry, but I think you may be, or maybe you're just a little bored. Sometimes we get bored and we think, oh, I'm bored. I don't know what to do. And it's bedtime and they don't want to go to bed. So they're prolonging bedtime. So I say, drink a glass of water first. If you're still hungry, let's talk about it. And then after that, I say, okay, if you really are hungry, snack out of the fridge. And this is something that I read that helped me when I was trying to eat healthier was if you go to the pantry, most things in the pantry, and and granted, like we keep our apples and the clementine oranges we have like a little fruit basket in our pantry that we keep those in so not not necessarily always going to the pantry but if they're going to the pantry late at night for chips or crackers or you know popcorn's one that's okay it has good fiber if it's a good a good version of popcorn sometimes i'll allow them that but if what i tell my kids is okay you need to have an apple or an orange or some celery some carrots first eat those. If you're still hungry after that, then maybe you can have a little snack or something. But but 90% of the time, either they're going to say, yeah, I'm not that hungry because they don't want to have the apple or the carrot. And not that they don't want it, but maybe they're really not even hungry enough to eat an apple. So really they realize, okay, I'm not hungry. I'm just bored or thirsty. Or if they do go eat an apple, they do go eat whatever, and they still come to you and say you're hungry, okay, then you compromised. You got them that that healthy plant point first, and if they still want a little snack, a little treat, again, try to try to still go for a better version of something. But at that point, that's where we can have a healthy relationship with our kids. And okay, you fed your body some nutrients 
it's okay to have a snack every once in a while. But again, if they're doing it every night, that's something we need to try to, um, you know, reincorporate is not having a dessert after every meal, not having a snack after every meal um, in addition to what we just ate. And like you said, if we're getting those things in there, eventually it'll get to the point where you don't, you're too full. You don't even have room for those those snacks and that gut brain connection starts to connect. So that's one way I feel like has helped with my kids is say, okay, if you really are that hungry, you really do want that snack, eat this first. And most of the time they don't even have room for it or they really aren't that hungry. Um, I, I like that. I actually have a similar, but it's a different approach. Um, I mean, so with my oldest, she's three and a half and one thing I'll add to that list is tired. Sometimes when you're tired too, um, we can want food because it's our body wanting that like burst of energy when really what we need is sleep. So I'll add that because like sometimes I notice she's really tired and, and but she's fighting bedtime and so she'll be like, I'm hungry. But also I think it's a little bit more natural for kids to do that when they're growing too. And so that's where it's like, okay, sometimes they can really be hungry, although it is better to create, like you said, it is better to create habits where you teach them like, okay, after dinner, we don't eat because for the overall health of the body, that's better. But this is what I do when my daughter is like, and she'll do it too for reasons like she just doesn't want to go to bed or, you know, like the other reasons you said, but Instead of having, I, even, even though natural sugar is good, I actually don't go for anything that has sugar in it right before bed. Um, I go for protein. So that's my one thing. I said, okay, if you're hungry, then let's eat something that will keep you satiated and full all through the night. And so that's where we reach for like a beef stick or we'll do like nuts or she really likes pumpkin seeds. So it's, it's something that she knows like, okay, if I say I'm hungry, if she's really hungry, then she's going to eat one of those things. And there's times where she's like, mm, I don't want that. I'm not really hungry. And then she'll just go to bed. <laughs> right. <laughs> but then there's other times where she's like, yeah, no, I want that beef stick. Yeah. And so then, but she knows like, okay, if I'm going to be hungry right before bed, I'm going to eat something with protein, but then it'll keep her full for, for the nighttime. Like it's something that keeps them satiated. And so that's my go-to is always like a, a, a good source of protein. Um, before bed. Yeah, this is really good. And this is why you and I being on this together, we can, you know, and this is where, again, I'm still learning and something I may do right now in a couple years, I'm going to learn. So you telling me that, oh, protein is going to be much better. That's such a great idea because I think my first thought is to go to like an apple and orange, something easy and quick for them to eat. But I also know that having sugar right before bed isn't great, but in my mind, I didn't even process real sugar. You know, I think, oh, oh, the processed sugar or even like honey and things like that aren't always great right before bed because it's still a form of sugar. Um, so that's really good. And it, it's, it's so funny that you say that because my older two probably go for the more sugary things, but my younger two, my four-year-old and my one-and-a-half-year-old, Mason always comes out of bed and asks for a beef steak. <laughs> and so that that's really good. That makes me feel good that I am somewhat doing that, but I didn't realize I was doing it. Another thing I love to do is, it, it's funny with my younger, um, my youngest, he does not like milk. But what I put in his bottle is I put the Just Ingredients protein powder, 
mixed with water and that is his bottle and he stays full through the night he is my best sleeper and i swear it's because he's full and we get that good protein in him and we love the just ingredients protein powder because it has all the wonderful nutrients and things that they need and um you know there's other protein powders we'll talk about that in a different episode there's also a lot of protein powders out there that are just full of crap (laughs) so before you go give your kids a protein shake before bed again reach for a beef stick or the chomps we love there's thrive market that has some really good good sourced you know beef and and protein nuts seeds things like that my kids love pumpkin seeds too doing like something like cottage cheese or um you know something like that like a form a source of dairy which is good if they can if they can handle dairy and do it we do we'll do like a little bowl of cottage cheese kids love it such a good idea okay i love that and yes if you if you haven't tried just ingredients or you want to again and and i've started doing that for my four-year-old too is his now and and he can't have dairy that's something we're still working on to strengthen his gut so eventually he doesn't have to have this dairy intolerance his entire life but it's been a process um they have some vegan protein options that are wonderful and they just came out with a lot more they used to only have the chocolate and it was so hard because neither him or i like the vegan chocolate protein powder (laughs) but they came out with a vanilla bean and we love that one so that's that's his source of protein which is great um okay so talk about before bed what about smoothies and um other ways to incorporate these into children's diets what do you feel about smoothies okay i don't like smoothies and I don't, okay, I won't say I don't like them. I like them, but <laughs> like I don't recommend smoothies and I definitely don't recommend juice. Those are the two things that I would say a lot of people, even even where they're all just like natural fruit. Um, so another thing we need to understand is the physiology of the body. And when you take something like whole, so f- fruits and vegetables are best in their whole forms so even like i'll I'll take an apple as an example because it's really easy so like a whole apple is best and then you take applesauce so you blend the apple it's not fully blended but it's still a little bit more processed it still has a little bit of fiber in it but it's okay and then you take apple juice and apple juice is the worst form even if it's just pure apple now if i'm gonna say like apple juice in our family would be something that's considered a treat Um, because again, it's, it's something that's sweet and, and like that. But the reason why is because when you take whole fruit and you blend it, you are losing fiber and nutrients from it, which is what we really need. And so then it also has other cascades in the body and a big one that I think again we need to have another podcast episode (laughs) on this whole topic but it affects our blood sugar and especially if you have kids who get these like really big emotions um or like kind of have like highs and lows in their days where all of a sudden they're like super whiny and then you might notice like okay you give them some food and then they're like really great for a little while and then they get to that point where they've kind of had that crash and now they're super whiny again or they're throwing temper tantrums things like that that is a lot that is tied to blood sugar and something that will spike your blood sugar really fast are 
things like smoothies and juice. Um, so, okay, now I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. What if you add a clean protein powder to your smoothie? Because I'm someone, we don't, we don't do them all the time either. It's maybe like once every other week in a morning, I'll make a smoothie or something on a, you know, on a week morning or whatever. But I do add protein powder or peanut butter. Does that help? with that insulin spike and that blood sugar spike or does it help regulate your insulin because of the blood sugar spike i'm I'm gonna play devil's advocate and throw that out no it's good and i'm not saying like oh never have never have these things just understand what they are so yes definitely adding protein adding things like you can add chia or flax seeds to it don't blend them so put them in whole but you know add it to it and you're going to add some fiber back in, but you just have to understand like what your overall goal is. Is the goal to get, you know, the, the nutrients and fiber from the fruit that they need? Or is it to enjoy it like a smoothie for, for breakfast, right? Or whatever, you know, maybe it's like a weekend thing that you want to have, right? Um, That's where I'd go because you have to realize, again, just by blending it, you are going to lose some of that beneficial value to your gut from, from the, um, those, those plants, right? From the fruits, the vegetables. Now, again, you can add some back in, but like I said, like, okay, adding, um, chia seeds and flax seeds that adds in fiber and other like good omegas and other nutrients so you can add some back in um but i would say you want a good balance right and then uh, then of course like adding that protein is going to help stable the blood sugar um so yes it's not ever have them but if you're always giving your kids or even yourself, if you're always reaching for, okay, we're going to have the applesauce and count that as our apple for the day, they're not really getting as much nutrition from that as they would the whole apple. So that's where I think having a good balance comes in. We need balance in life. And you want to try it the best you can to have most of your your fruits and vegetables and plant points come from their whole sources. And then we can add times where it's like, okay, now we'll have, you know, maybe one day a week or even you know a few times a week you add a smoothie to that to enjoy right um i I love that and maybe a smoothie instead of thinking of it as a meal replacement and it's so funny that you say this and that i'm understanding it even better because i am starving after i have a smoothie and in my mind i'm like well i just had a smoothie even if i add protein powder to it even if i add the chia or the flax seeds I feel like I almost have to have another meal on top of my smoothie. And now that you're explaining this, it makes a lot of sense because I'm not actually getting the nutrients, getting the fiber. I'm not getting full from a smoothie. And you will actually hear a lot of people say, oh, I went on a juice cleanse or I drank smoothies for a week straight and I gained weight. And it makes Mm -hmm. sense because you're adding all that sugar, even natural sugar, you're adding a ton of the sugar without all the nutrients to to balance it um so i think and now that i'm listening to you say this adding a smoothie as more of a a side treat instead of a whole meal replacement give your kids some oatmeal in the morning with maybe nuts or berries or granola in it or 
you know, whatever you want to add to your oatmeal and then have a smoothie, a small smoothie as a side drink if they want as almost like a little treat. I love that. Love that idea of it's not that that makes a lot of sense to me hearing you say that. Yeah. So it's not about like, okay, never have this smoothie, never or like, yeah, it's creating balance. It's like, like you said, it's like, have, I think a really great breakfast is having like some eggs. And then, you know, you can get, I'd say like, okay, have some eggs and avocado and then have a little smoothie that is, it it tastes really yummy, but you're still getting what you need from the other stuff. Or like the oatmeal, like you said, like, so we can, you can kind of counterbalance it to where you can still enjoy these things, but you're also doing it in a way that's supporting your body. That's the goal is we want to support our body to one, give it the nutrients that it needs, make sure it has the fiber and it's, you know, we're satiated. So we're not having these roller coaster, um, like spikes in our insulin, which affect our mood. Um, but then also we can still, um, enjoy food. Like, again start slow start adding things in slowly and focus on what you add in I think that really helps but as you add things in start slowly taking things out Um, especially when you're you're buying your snacks right maybe you're done with a a packaged snack and instead of rebuying that don't buy it right and kind of get it out of the house get it out of the pantry so the I think the best thing to do is always control your house. Um, That's always my recommendation with most anything health because, of course, there are times where we can't necessarily control everything outside of the house. Um, And sometimes it can be more stressful than that. So control what's in your house. So then when you're outside of the house, that's where it's a little bit easier to maybe allow other things that you don't necessarily have in the house anymore but because you're out you're like okay I can you know we can have it then um on yeah. oh sorry yeah I was just gonna say I love that and talking about that we we've had to re-record a few of them as we're learning we're obviously new at this podcasting but one thing you said in in an earlier recording that we didn't end up posting is control the controllable. And I think that helps take away so much of the stress is sometimes we freak out thinking this has to be an all or nothing. But like you just said, control your home because that's what you can control. Especially if you have older kids, they're going to go to the friends' houses, they're going to go to school where there's vending machines and things like that. You're not going to be able to follow your kids around every day and say, you know, no, choose this instead of that. And we don't, we don't want to, we want it to get to the point where they start making these conscious decisions for themselves because they know, oh, this is going to make me feel better. Um, but so I love that is, is control what you can control. Uh, one thing that I got rid of because I was so sick of it was cereal. And I was trying really hard to send my kids off to school with a healthy breakfast. But if I had cereal in the pantry, of course, they're going to choose the sugary, good cereals over my oatmeal or eggs or you know something something a little more uh filling for them and something that's going to help power their brains and so that was something and again I didn't go to my pantry and throw out every single thing but once we were done with the cereal I just stopped buying it and for a minute my kids would be like mom we want this cereal again or we want that it started to become you know they missed it but I just was like, nope, we don't have any. Here are your options. And 
<laughs> they're not going to starve themselves. We, we have that natural survival instinct. If your kids are hungry, they're going to eat. They're going to eat what you put in front of them. Again, it may take them a time or two, but uh, just I, I love that. Just stop buying the things that you don't want them to eat, and they won't have that option when they're at home, and they'll learn to reach for the better options. My children love oatmeal now. We literally just made it for breakfast this morning, and they probably asked for it two or three times a week. The first time I tried to feed them oatmeal, my oldest actually said, why are you trying to poison us? <laughs> because they were so used to the sugary cereals. He thought that homemade oatmeal was the worst thing he'd ever had. And now, and I'm not just saying this, he asks for it several times a week. So don't give up. Your kids' taste buds will change. But if if you keep buying those options, of course, they're going to reach for that over the other. Yes, that's that's the thing is if you have it in the house, it will get eaten. But if you don't have it in the house, like you said, like, they just they'll go for the whatever option they have available which they you know they'll probably have a couple different options and they'll be like okay I'll have this or I'll have that right Mm -hmm. um and so that's a really great way you know control your house um and yes of course they probably will complain for the first little bit but then they'll get used to it and like you said like now you're oldest like asks for the thing you thought he was poisoning him with (laughs) um another great thing especially as they start to get older is to include them in meal choices and cooking you know obviously you want to do it age appropriate i actually love that you have your your four-year-old now like cooking with you it's amazing like just And it's so fun. It has become our little thing. And again, I've said this so so many times on the episode, but now you know. Cooking is not my thing. It does not come natural. Sometimes I still make a meal and my family, we all taste it. And I'm like, okay, where did I go wrong? (laughs) Right? We're learning. But I can already see his love and appreciation for a good home-cooked meal and just how fun it is. Yeah, for Christmas, we got him his own little cooking set because he loves to just be on the counter with me cooking, and he now knows how to chop and to, uh, you know, peel potatoes and things, and he's four, and I think that's so important. And we grew up with a mom and a grandma that cooked all the time for us, but I think the difference is... And I don't think they were doing this intentionally, but very rarely, and they they asked us to help with things, but very rarely were they like, oh, come over, I'm going to teach you how to do this. And yes, it's going to be harder. It's going to take twice as much time, twice as much cleanup because it's hard. But my kids too, like my older two, they now know how to make eggs by themselves. Charlie loves making eggs and she will make eggs for the entire family. So on Sunday mornings when we're doing, we love pancakes on Sunday morning. That's our thing. So we'll make pancakes on Sunday mornings and she will make scrambled eggs for the entire family because she knows how to. So yes, it's going to be hard at first, but in the long run, it's going to be easier because you're going to have kids that actually know how to do it and can help you. Yes. And, but it also helps them be excited about what they're eating and that helps to also you know start to enjoy that's another thing that actually helps you enjoy new foods too that you may not be used to eating before you know or incorporate ingredients that maybe like you know whatever it is like just things like like eating beans or eating quinoa I know like for some people like they'd be like oh my kids would never eat that and it's like if you like get them involved in the kitchen and get them involved like that's one thing that you know they can start to eat and that's one thing that my kids actually love because they've grown up eating and so 
obviously when you can do it from the beginning. So again, that's where I said I I have been lucky to introduce them to foods that a lot of people be like, my kid would never eat that. And it's like, well, it's all they know. You know, they, they just know these foods and there were a lot of, there's been a lot of processed foods I have not introduced them to, um, to help with that. So of course, if that's, if you can do that, that's always the best case. I, I just say like, there are foods we do not bring into our house. I'll use mac and cheese as an example. We do not eat mac and cheese in our home now <laughs> and we eat so we used to do the craft mac and cheese but now i have found some healthier options through thrive market that yes it's still processed <laughs> yes there's still some not great ingredients but it's a lot better than what i did so you know i i love to play the 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 in between and the we still do because my kids love that and that's going to be a hard one to like completely get rid of but there are better options out there too yes that's true but I, what I will say is when we go out to eat, if that's something my kids want, I will let them order that off the menu. So, but I also know that we're not going out to eat a lot. Like it's, it's one thing that again, it's, it's outside of our home. So we just don't have it in our home and they're not used to eating it in their our home. Like they don't ask for it at home because they know, but okay, we'll go out to eat occasionally and my kids will be like do they have mac and cheese right <laughs> so I let them it's not like I I never let them eat it but it's it's okay we we have it at these special times and it's occasional and I know that the mac and cheese at the restaurant doesn't have grain greens but I don't worry I don't have to stress about it it's okay like they'll that. be okay yep. but it's in our home it's we're gonna have um different meals in our home and but getting the kids involved in the cooking helps them appreciate be excited and want to eat those foods I love that and and just make it fun like you see and if you have fun tips share it on social media share it with your friends and family send a picture let's you know they say it takes a village and it really does uh I saw you post uh last October there you know there's a if you're in the area and there's a religious thing that we watch every six months. It's it's called uh, General Conference for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But it is two days of pretty much sitting and watching talks. And it can be very boring for children. And you had you had shared that you make this fun little board for your kids of kind of like a charcuterie board of nuts and fruit and vegetables and cheeses. And you put it down on in the living room floor and or the kitchen, wherever, and just make it fun. And whether your kids are listening or not, it keeps them busy for a while so that you can actually listen and pay attention. So, you know, maybe that's not what you're doing, but maybe you're just trying to incorporate it. Make it fun. Make it, make it good. You know, it doesn't have to always be stressful or anything. Cut up a few things of celery, throw some carrots on there. I bought jicama and my kids were like, what the heck is this? And dip it in some hummus or some ranch or whatever. And it's delicious. Okay. And they're still getting their plant points. Make it fun. We did a little, my kids love to do picnics. I don't know what it is. They love. So even when it's cold outside, throw a blanket on your living room floor and turn on that fireplace background or whatever on the TV or do something fun like that and do an indoor picnic with your kids and put it on a board. Um, 
my our sister-in-law, Annie, actually just shared this with me a couple days ago. She started making these little, she'll just put them in like little glass containers in her fridge, almost like the Lunchables, if you will, or like the little fruit and veggie patches you can get at the store. But she just made, and it's cheaper to make them at home. Buy a pack of celery and carrots, Put, cut them up, put a little bit in there, some blueberries, some fruit, whatever, a little tiny uh, thing of ranch or hummus or whatever. And she just pre-packages them and puts them in these little glass containers in her fridge. And she actually started doing it, she said, for her and our brother and so that he could have some healthy things to hurry and grab and take to work. But she said, I cannot keep them in my fridge. My kids keep taking them out and we'll eat them. So I think if we, if we do it, if it, yeah, maybe it takes a little bit of planning, a little more extra ingredients at the store that you're not used to grabbing, but make it fun, make it simple, make it easy. If they can quickly grab it and eat it, they're more likely to do that. And I will give one last tip um, is, okay, so, when our kids are hungry, especially bef- like in between a meal, right? We all know that we're cooking dinner and our kids come and they're like, I'm so hungry. Like I need food now, right? And I feel like, again, it's natural to reach for something in the pantry. But again, it's kind of, they call it the crowding out method can work in the opposite, right? So if we're allowing our kids to eat that package of chips or Whatever it is, even again, even healthier but still processed snacks, they get, they're going to eat less of whatever you cook for dinner. Um, and so if you want your kids to, to still get something good in, that is a time where I always say, okay, great. Like I'll be chopping up, you know, vegetables for what we're cooking for dinner. And I'll say, perfect. Like if you're hungry, you can have some of this now. And I'll give them some of the veggies I'm chopping up or, you know, something like that or something from the fridge where, you know, it's it's a carrot or it's it's um, a whole. uh, I try to do like especially if it's right before dinner, like something like a vegetable or again, something like nuts or seeds um, where they're getting that good nutrition still from it. And but then. It doesn't make it so, okay, now they've eaten a bunch of processed snacks and now they don't want dinner. Yep. Um, so I would just say like always I would try to, if they're hungry, like in between a meal um, and they want that, try to avoid the processed stuff. Give them something, again, you know, something that would would count as one of their plant points before dinner. They're still likely to eat that and dinner. And then then after dinner, if they want one of those snacks, perfect. Okay, now... Now let's have, you know, maybe a little bit more processed snacks after we've had a good meal. I love that compromise. And then if they don't eat all their dinner, you're not stressed because they actually ate a whole food instead of just packaged. And you know that packaged snack is going to go through them much quicker, give them less energy. So they're just going to be coming out of bed and coming back to you saying, and I get it. I get the fight is so hard. The tamper tantrums are frustrating for the first little bit. It's going to be hard, but I I heard this thing from her, her name is Dr. Anna Maria Temple, and she's a wonderful person to follow on social media if you want. She has so many great tips and tricks on how to incorporate, you know, more health into your, into your children's lives. But um, she said, okay, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? They're going to throw a temper tantrum and they might not eat dinner because you didn't give them the processed package food. Okay, I can handle that. I can handle my kid throwing a temper tantrum and 
you know, going to bed hungry one night if they're going to really throw that big of a fit. So I think sometimes we have to ask ourselves, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Yeah, temper tantrums are annoying. Putting up that fight with our kids is annoying. But they crave structure. They they actually crave these healthy lifestyles and food. They just don't know it if they don't know any different. And that was something with my older kids. Yeah, it was more of a fight with them. But they don't think I'm a bad mom because I tell them to, you know, grab an apple, grab a vegetable, grab something before the other things. And and again, it comes down to compromise too. We don't want them to have an unhealthy relationship with food. We don't want them to have an unhealthy relationship with us. But don't be so quick to give in. Don't be afraid of the temper tantrums. Don't be afraid of the pushback because there is going to be some. Just stand your ground and say, I love you. I understand that you feel like your body needs this, but I'm going to have you eat this first and eat your dinner first. And then if you really still want it after, let's talk about it. And I would say education is so powerful. It's not only just telling our kids, okay, what they can have, what they can't have, but it's educating them on why. It's it's amazing what my three-year-old can understand just by teaching her like hey this is why like this is why I want you to eat a protein if you're hungry at bedtime um she understands and so if she's hungry she knows she's like okay I'll come and ask for the protein because she knows how it makes her body feel and she can feel the difference and and just simply educating our kids i think sometimes we lose that where we we just tell them okay you just have to have this or that and we don't teach them the why but i think fundamentally as as humans we want to understand why and that helps us actually make better choices and our kids are no different so if we teach our kids they then can also make those education educated decisions themselves even when they're on their own or even when they get you know older they'll they'll also be able to have that help of knowing why. I love that. Love teaching them the why. And that's something I try to do too with my olders. And sometimes I do catch myself just being like, because I said so, right? (laughs) Those things we said we would never say to our own children that our parents said to us. And I have to stop myself and, and try to educate, which I love that. So again, don't start off crazy. Get a few extra plant points if you want to keep a food journal or even a tally of just so you can get a good idea of where you're starting and where your kids are starting. Ask them what they had for lunch. If you're not in control of if you don't send them to school with a lunch every day, ask them, tell me everything you ate at lunch. How much of it did you eat? Did you like it? Did you not like it? It's a great way to just have more conversation with our kids too and then start tracking. Okay, maybe we realistically only get four or five plant points a day. Okay. So, and this is where we're going to add your challenge. So what I want you, what we want you to do this week is one, try to get a good idea of how many, how many plant points you're eating and getting in your daily diet. And then two, try to increase that by, let's even just say two more points a day. So if you think you're getting five, six a day, I want you to try to get seven or eight and start slow. And then Once you complete that for a week, the next week, try to add one more and one more and one more. So start off slow, figure out how much you're eating and try to incorporate more. And if you can, try to diversify. If you're getting the same ones every day, that's okay too. Start there, but then maybe in a week or two, go to the store and try to grab something that you've never tried before or never attempted to cook before and add that in. 
and we realize the episode went a little longer than we intended, but hopefully you have a much better understanding of what your gut microbiome is, how to strengthen it with whole foods, and how to incorporate those foods into your daily life and your diet. So if you stuck around with us for the whole episode, thank you. We appreciate you. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Reframed Wellness. We will be posting shorter clips and more recipes and information there as well. So we'd love to see you guys there and come say hi. And we will see you next week.